Hello and welcome. I'm Jillian Raymond, the co-creator of Juicy Bits and a Coalition Snow ambassador. And I'm Jen Gorecki, your co-host and the CEO of Coalition Snow. For those of you who are new, get ready to laugh, cry, and maybe pee your pants a little. Juicy Bits is about taking the conversations that we start on the chairlift and at the trailhead and bringing them to you to explore alternative narratives that challenge the status quo about what it means to be a modern woman in the outdoors. Grab your helmet because sometimes it's a bumpy ride. FYI, friends, this podcast is for mature audiences, so you've been warned. Let's get to work and juice the patriarchy. Um, so Jillian, I'm a little afraid that I might have turned into an adult in 2020. And um, I just, I feel like I kind of need to like talk through like, is this what it feels like to be an adult? Because I have this like long list of things that I never expected my life to be like. Um, And at the top of the list is that I, I own a blender and I own a vacuum cleaner. Am I adulting? Um, you know, that's I actually that that you caught me off guard there a little. So I was like wondering where we were headed with the adulting. I thought you were going to tell me you like took like an office job at like Enterprise Rent a Car or no, something. No, 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 no. Um, no disrespect to anyone that works at Enterprise Rent a Car, but just you know, in in the world of like that that shifting of adult and 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 grown up. Um, yeah, blender and vacuum. It's interesting because part of the it almost that's very domestic. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. I, is it adulting? Is it domestic? I mean, maybe you had reason because you know in twenty twenty, maybe you're spending a little bit more time at home than you might normally. I don't know why, um, <laughs> but you know, it's funny because you have you've had dogs, and I feel like the reason I wanted like an awesome vacuum and and still do, even though my dogs have since passed, dog hair still shows up everywhere. Um, even in like the clean dishwasher and in like unpacked sweaters that I haven't seen in two seasons. So the vacuum piece is generally pretty essential for that. But yeah, I would, I would kind of put those into domestic adulting type um, behaviors. I feel like it might Um, be sort of like code red because so for anyone who's been following along for a couple years, you know, that this blender thing has been a sticking point for me. And a few (laughs) years ago I wanted, like I, I had a wedding registry for singles um, and I wanted someone to actually buy me a blender because I'm convinced that the reason why I had never owned a blender is because I'd never been married. And so society was punishing me for not, you know, fitting inside the box. And so I never owned a blender. But then, but then I just kind of got to this point where I was like, I want to make some fucking salsa, you know, like I want to make salsa and I want to make soup and, and there was no blender in this house. And so I had to go buy a blender and then I have rugs now, which is also, I think part of being an adult is that I own nice rugs. And I was like, Oh, I, the only way to keep a rug clean would be to vacuum it occasionally. So yeah, I mean, there's just this, like, when I think about 2020, I mean, 
we're not going to really get into all the obvious things of 2020 of like COVID and new president, blah, blah, blah. But like, there's a lot of like, there's a number of like never expected things. Okay. Another thing that I never thought that I would stop doing, but I've a hundred percent stopped doing it. And I don't know if it'll ever, ever come back. No more Brazilian waxing. Okay. Like fuck that noise. Like, so I still endeavor to like keep it clean down there. Once again, this is like a throwback to season one when we had our episode around waxing, um, which Jillian and I are big fans of waxing. We, we wax our own bodies. Uh, we could, we could come back in 2021 and have an episode on how to wax perhaps maybe mm-hmm. that would be a better youtube video though i don't know i digress yeah, but definitely not fucking making a youtube video of my home waxing but i will support I will. you i'll do it do that and um maybe I'll i could it. record well i'll tell you because my waxing escapades usually end in one leg being done and the other not oh. and or the front and like sides looking excellent and then there being a very I just, if I can't see it, I, I can't see it. If I can't get to it, um, it's been talk. I've had some waxing adventures, um, uh, in 2020 and, um, most of them really, you know, kind of comical. And then thankfully, you know, not to, you know, the six feet, 10 feet social distancing has really helped. Cause if they, right. anyone was too close to notice, then they were violating, you know, new social norms to help flatten the curve. And I just, you know, I think my look of death and my scowl kind of was scarier than the, um, back of my leg. Well, that was okay. our whole thing. So Jillian and I would meet up at, at the lake a few times this summer. And like, that was how we would, we would like hang out and meet up at the lake and, and we would get into the water and we'd be like, Oh wow. There's like a lot happening around here. Um, and then, yeah, we decided yeah. that if you could, if, if any stranger could see the amount of hair that was on our body in any given place, like there's a lot of places where the hair was, that like they were just legitimately too close. And so you needed to go back. You're just at least six feet away, like social distance, mm-hmm. get the fuck out of here. But yeah, I did, um, I did pick up a new waxing trick in 2020. Um, because I stopped going to get my down there waxed at all. Like I just stopped going to get waxed. Right. So here's the thing, Jillian and listeners in advance, you're welcome. Um, if you squat, like if you like really squat, then you are actually in like, um, like legs wide. So legs super wide bending, squatting, you kind of open up everything down there and it's like way easier to get wax and like wax in the like, um, behind, like you're like, you're like perineum and your bum, you can actually wax it. It's like a wide leg squat and it makes it a lot easier. So never thought I'd figure that out or tell people about that, but (laughs) fucking thank you. 2020. Um, I learned that I learned, I, I learned that this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, gonna cross that off the list of things that I've now oh, talked about on Juicy Bit. Um, cute little Pinterest post. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good one. Um, I le- uh, speaking of kind of hair. I mean, for me, I got a really um cute DIY haircut, and I actually love it better than any haircut I've gotten, even though I like my hairdressers than I've gotten in years. Mm-hmm. That's how cute it is, and it was, um. 
from one of my COVID friends that I saw and see regularly. We just kind of keep our bubble small. And it was some YouTube videos and a couple little pigtail hair ties and a little like up cut. It's so nice to the point where even like people on my Zoom and different meetings, they were like, oh my God, you got your hair cut. I'm jealous. Like, how'd you do that? I was like, YouTube. Um, so that was a little piece. And then I'm also kind of just, you know, 2020, just re-embracing root growth again. I'm just like going to shout it out there to SVP for always making root growth look cute again. And now I'm just, I've just had to make it look cute again. It's just a thing. And now we're in helmet and hat season. So it matters less, but I'm just appreciative of those, uh, those little reminders that yeah, root growth can be great. I can cut my own hair. Thanks to YouTube. Am I also this? I never talk about adulting. I never thought I would miss the dentist so much where I was like waiting for COVID compliance to get me in um, for my teeth cleaning, which I used to dread, but it was like, if I couldn't do it, I realized I really wanted it. And I actually um, went, it was so great. My hygienist was like, oh, we treat everybody all the time that they walk in here with like infectious disease. And so I felt really safe doing it, but it was this nice little, you know, kind of renewal of yeah, go take care of your teeth. So that's really mature. That is super mature. Um, okay, so <laughs> um, I okay, I've talked more. Right, we've got some. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I have a couple. I have a couple more too yeah, that I, I didn't think I have surprised two me more. So I have two more never expected things. Um, I never. I'm gonna say the. I'm gonna. There's one. Okay, I never expected that I would really like doing yoga on Zoom. But because I could do it in my underwear all summer long and just have the video was off, by the way, everyone, video off, yoga in my house, in my underwear, shout out to Melissa at Temple Yoga in Reno. Man, I never thought I would love Yoga Zoom. But now I'm just like, I can roll out of bed and be in my panties and stretch it the fuck out. And I love that. I love it. I, I, yeah, I never thought that I would love Adidas warm up pants so much. I just um, almost um, snorted out the wine out of my, um, I just poured myself a new glass of wine and then I have another bottle next to me with the wine openers. So, like, just in case through this recording that I was going to be totally sucked up. And the wine almost came out my nose when you said that. But, Continue, well, here's continue. the thing. Why I love them so much is nobody else really but me is seeing me like love myself in them so much because I'm not like I, I don't really have street style. I mean, I have style and I have like cute stuff, but I have a lot of different things that kind of create little like identity crises, you know, in terms of how I like to dress or do things. And I never thought so. This is like I love the Adidas warm-up pants, like third pair on its way. And maybe three is not that much, but for me, it's kind of excessive to have three pairs of um, Adidas warm-up pants, but they're fucking amazing. And then when rolling out of bed to your point, and you know, and I can, you know, I'm teaching from home. I mean, I don't even have to wear pants when I teach, but I do just, just for the record, That's I do wear pants. important to say out loud in I, case any teachers students so. are listening. Absolutely. Um, fucking A, I hope that none of them are. Hi, please get your, you know, final submissions of your video final in by tonight. Fucking A, talk about, talk about that, an awkward conversation to have with a parent or guardian or my boss. <laughs> Just kidding. I own everything I do. I love it. Nothing. Yeah. But so these Adidas warm pants, if, and, and this is what I love about them too. I, I catch myself yesterday was a great example in Whole Foods. 
in my warm-up pants, in my oversized sweatshirts, in my snow boots, giving zero fucks that I was in public. Cause you just kind of forget. Like I never thought I would like disregard the fact that I'm like, Oh no, no, I go out, I keep my head down. I got my mask on. I'm keeping myself safe. I'm doing my business and I'm out. Um, and so you just kind of like are showing up and these, yeah, this warm, this warm up pant trend. I'm just, I'm just going to try to own it. I'm just loving it. And I never thought that I'd love it so much. And I just, I'm just loving all of me in, in these warm up. I love you in them too, even though I haven't seen them. Um, they're fucking, it's just great. And I never thought I'd even talk about it. Why am I even talking about, but it's, that's, it's, it's a thing. They're so fucking cute. These thin cord ones I have right now. And it's great. I wore them. Brandon was like, um, are you picking up? Are you going to like a pickup basketball game? He's like, are you coaching again? And I was like, I'm like, what do you think? And he just kind of like smiled at me, like kind of speechless, but not in the like, oh, babe, you look so fucking great way. Kind of speechless. Like, I don't want to tell you that you look ridiculous, but rock you on with your third your pair of warm up pants. Yeah. And just a little oversized. <sighs> fucking I'm, love I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy. This <laughs> the things we never expected from 2020. Okay. So. My favorite song of the year. So first of all, I have lots of, there's like lots of songs and I was like looking through my Spotify and I couldn't decide. And then I thought about like, what was the one song that I would play on repeat over and over and over again, probably to the point where my neighbors were like, lady, we're done with, with you. And it was definitely mm-hmm. Cardi B, mm-hmm. wet ass pussy. Like that was like a hundred percent. And it's what struck me about it. It's not like, I don't actually care I'm not, I'm not, I'm not tantalized by it. Right. Like, I'm not like, Ooh, she's t-, like, it has nothing to do with that. It's that it is, um, you know, it's really was this like feminist anthem of like, I'm going to say what I want to say and talk about my sexuality in the most positive way and talk about women's sexuality and do it in this incredibly unapologetic way. Um, in like a very bold and in your face way. And it really reminded me, it brought me back to when I was uh, at university uh, at NAU in Flagstaff. And and that would have been, gosh, when would that have been? Like 1999? No, wait, that's when I graduated. So like 1995, 96, mm-hmm. Lil' Kim was like really popular. And Lil' Kim, she she's like the preamble oh, oh. to Cardi B. But I remember listening to Lil' Kim when I was in college and being like, holy fuck, this woman lays it down. Like, she does not care. Like, this is like who she is. She talked about her sexuality. She talked about orgasm. She talked about everything. And I would, I remember, like, I would play that album to all the dudes I would ski with and they'd be like, holy shit. And I was like, yeah, this, this right here, bow mm-hmm. down to Lil' Kim. And so it was like really cool for Cardi B to come out with that song and be like, you know what? The legacy continues, you know, like, and also just like, thank you black women for talking about this the way that you, you do. And it was just, and I think people don't like, I don't, I don't know. Like if, if for me, there was just like such (coughs) significance around this song. So that was like the song of the year for me. Thank you, Cardi B. You are a fucking queen. And all those haters, everybody who like made a big deal out of it and got on news and were like, we can't believe she's saying it. You know what? You just sold her more records. So y'all dumb. And good job, Cardi. Good job. For me, I had had my heart set 
on um, a Hamilton um, ticket, and we're normally in New York um, several times a year, and that's that's that hasn't happened, but it was kind of on my big wish list, and, and Brennan was doing a lot to make it happen. And so when it was released um, finally on Disney Plus, and it kind of goes along with my binging of like I literally am like watching the movie on repeat, but that whole soundtrack has almost become this just anthem for me in 2020 because it is so it so takes me out of it takes me into a different analytical world which is not always good because sometimes i need to shut my brain off which is why things like fleabag and rewatching sex in the city for like the millionth time was very therapeutic but i like sometimes being transported into this other analytical world and just fucking riveted by every lyric every sound and there's people out probably listening who totally get what i'm talking about and then others who might be like "Mm, i haven't no, not yet, not yet. But that to me, like the soundtrack on review, I even have Micah singing some of the songs and she, it's like so adorable, so much better than listening to like brush your teeth side to side and brush your teeth, even though I'm instilling excellent, you know, dental hygiene in my, in my fabulous child. Um, I would kind of put that, the Hamilton soundtrack and the, and the movie on repeat for me in my binge watching and listening world. Love it. Um. Okay. My number one binge watch of the year, Insecure. So much so, I watched the every single season. And then I went back and I watched every single season all over again. And the thing that's super annoying about Insecure is that it's on HBO. So you have to like pay for HBO. But Issa Rae is a fucking queen. And Raphael Sadiq did all the soundtrack for the show. And I'm telling you... Insecure, like that. I'm. It was stupid how much I watched it. My other, my other programs that I enjoyed, Russian Doll program. My programs, Russian Doll, Pen Fifteen, which I also double watched. Pen Fifteen, Trill, Normal People, Mm -hmm. and I felt kind of weird about liking Normal People so much. And then The Queen's Gambit, and those are like my top shows of the year. I mean, this is amazing. Like, I feel like in a given year, you would be lucky to watch a, a full movie on the airplane because, like, your pills would kick in. Hundred percent. So, the fact that, yeah. I mean, I mean, again, you so you have, you know me so well, Garecki. The only I time you would watch movies is when you'd be on an airplane, and you would definitely not make it through the first thirty minutes because those two bottles of wine and your pills. A hundred percent. Yeah, but look at my list. Look at my list talk about the things I, I, I should do in 2020, but I haven't on a given basis, the monthly like yeses of, of subscription. Cause just the access to media and content at the fingertips is just such a nice, um, talk about scary. a fucking privilege, but just, it, it, it is, it's scary. And it kind of leads into the book piece. Cause for me, I'm a total, um, I, I love reading. I love listening to books. And that's been another thing. It's like, I like to be able to kind of tap out, even if it puts me into like a different analytical brain, I also like to be transported. And I think, you know, really strong and brilliant works of, of nonfiction can do that for us. I'm reading this one right now and you'll love this gem because I know you, well, actually I shouldn't say this. I don't, I, I think I know you well. I think that you are a, um, what's the word? That's not the right word. Let's find a word. You're like a advocate for therapy like you wouldn't i don't i just don't feel like you would knock therapy oh, and no, you'd I'm, like a, benefited I'm a huge i'm a huge supporter of therapy 100 this book is called group uh, by christy tate and it's a group therapy with a therapist and this the author is fucking hysterical like i'm literally like slightly peeing in my pants even though i do my kegels like religiously 
I'm doing them right now. Like oh, I'm, I'm start doing not peeing in my pants. Okay. I know you should. And if you're listening right now, stick with us and start do yours. Right now. You know, yeah, absolutely. Everybody's on it. So we're all in this together. Literally peeing so hard because she's just fucking so raw and funny and real. And you can like picture her as this character. So my, and I'm not done with it yet even. So, and I've had, I've probably done, maybe I've done like eight or 12 books this year right now, maybe because I'm just in the thick of it, but my book to recommend, put it on your wish list. you know, snug up vacation holiday, turn off all the, all the screens and read group. That's my book. Okay. And it makes me feel like I'm in therapy. I almost, I want group therapy. I don't know what for. Maybe I should, I need therapy because I think I want therapy. So that maybe that's a good enough reason to contact a therapist. I but think, this book. I think it's good. So, good. I, so I have my favorite book that I read in a hardback and then I have my um, audio books. So my audio books were because I just wanted to laugh a lot. Um, and then, but my favorite book in hardback that I highly recommend is called Hood Feminism. Mickey Kendall wrote it. And I learned about Mickey Kendall on Trevor Noah. And I think she was on, gosh, I don't know. She was on, it must have been like February or March or something. I don't know. Anywho, I saw her on Trevor Noah and I was like, this book is amazing. And Hood Feminism is one of my top reads. My audiobook selection for when I just wanted to like drink wine, smoke weed, laugh. Um, Challenge Accepted by Celeste Barber. Um, and then also, I'm looking right now. And then um, Life Will Be the Death of Me, Chelsea Handler's book. It's hilarious. Mm. And then um, I Might Regret This by Abby Jacobson. And Abby, is you know one of the um, creators of Broad City, which Broad City might be one of my most favorite shows of all times. Always, those are my those are my books. Wait, you got four? I only got one. Add okay, more. So Add, no, there's no rules. Add more. Okay, so um, definitely group, and then I think um, if you like again a little um, I don't know, a little like social commentary, um, kind of critical piece with a little bit of fiction. This is how it always is. And this is by Lori Frankel. Um, this one was super well done in family dynamics and the raising, um, of a transgender child. And then the kind of the, how, how the a nuclear family deals with that and like societal pieces, um, super, super thoughtful, super well done. Um, I also would really highly recommend Untamed by Glennon Doyle. And I think that has gotten very far um, reaching um, uh, widespread popularity and, and for good reason. There's so much about it. Everything from like, you know, raising your young sons to be feminist, to like social critique, to like self-examination. I'm really, really strong. And then I really appreciated I'm Still Here by Austin Channing Brown mm-hmm. and um, Black Big... Black dignity in a world made for whiteness. And I think as just a constant ally trying to show up and, and understand and, and check one's own privilege, to me, that was um, really just, a, and it was a good reach and it's read by the author. So that was an audible for me. And she's funny and she's smart and so and relatable in a, in a very real way. And then I'll put in a plug for just kind of also laughing your ass off for We Should All Be Mirandas. And that's just a great, 
Um, it's just funny as fuck. And it also helps me when there's at women and authors and, and humans out there that love sex in the city as much as I do. Um, cause it's still, when I watch it now and it's like set in the nineties, it almost has like a comical nature to it just based on like the fashion and, and just it, it's 20 plus years old. Like it fucking makes me smile. So yeah, it's okay. thank you for letting me share more books. So everyone's got books to read. Books to read, programs to watch. Um, so in all seriousness, there, there are some things that we've learned this year and I don't, I, it, I've been thinking about this for, for days and days and I mean, for weeks and months now. Right. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to, to perfectly articulate this, but I feel like what I've, what I've learned is something that we all know and we've all talked about, but it, it really was something to be felt in 2020. And that's um, that sometimes you just can't be in control of your own happiness. Like, and that might sound like really depressing and down. And I'm sure a lot of people would say, well, no, but you could do this and this and this. I feel like everything that we went through this year from COVID to to the reckoning with Black Lives Matter, um, to the election and, and the, the anxiety around that was that sometimes it was just really difficult to be happy. And I'm one of these people who's like, I'm just a happy person. I've always been happy. I feel really fortunate that I haven't struggled with depression. And I feel like I've created this life where I'm sort of chasing happiness a lot. Um, and I couldn't do that anymore this year. And I had to really face a very difficult reality. And, and, you know, obviously my, my reality much better than many people on, on this planet, but, um, it's really been something to sit with to just feel like you don't have control over something that you thought you always did. You know, Jen, it's interesting because for me, the, I appreciate how you said you kind of, you are and generally are a happy person and have been. And, and I, that resonates with me a lot too. It's sort of been something I've um, tried to pay really careful attention to when people will say things like, Oh, I feel so depressed or, and I, and I always, I think about this mostly with my students too. I want them to be really careful that I'm like, Hey, you know, that's a, that's a clinical di diagnosis and that can be really paralyzing. There's a difference between a sense of sadness or a sense of grief. And I think we've all experienced that sense of grief and loss in different ways mm -hmm. in our life. And so this sense of us being able to go after the things that make us happy, whether it's like the traveling or, you know, great lovers or just the idea of surprise and spontaneity and all of that, out of our control now being um, really challenged by like the societal uh, clusterfuck, I guess that was 2020. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the things for me, I learned for myself, who's generally a happy person too. I might not be happy all day, every day, but I'm happy every day. And um, you know, hashtag motherhood, I, mom, mom is out there. You can, you can relate on a whole other level of what that might mean, but I never realized how I could feel 
such a range of emotions, the same emotions, almost in like what felt like a given nanosecond. Mm -hmm. Like I could go from trying to like comfort myself, comfort my loved ones, um, try to feel grounded, stable to feeling on the verge of tears and anxiety and literally even meeting with on an, a casual level, like healthcare professionals where I was like, do you think I'm a candidate for like that next step of like seeing someone? Because here's what here's what I'm feeling for the first time ever. And I don't really know how to name it. And what I did appreciate, and I also learned, I have a lot of really strong, um, good people and friends in my life that I can trust. And I think for me, that was a big opportunity. And I think I saw a lot of people in a really vulnerable way share that as well. And it, not that, you know, some people it's like, I, I, I miss them, but I realized they maybe fell more into acquaintance status, but people that I could really talk to and, and share this level of like emotional um, variability with. And what that just kind of still means, I'm not saying by any means that it's at all figured out, in any way, shape or form, even now as we're like embracing a new year and embracing a lot of shifts towards some things to look for and, and some light, if you will. But I think on that, on that emotional level, that was my biggest learned, learned, I feel learned about that. My learned moment. Learned. Yeah. 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 Learned, learned. Uh, two <laughs> educators trying to determine the proper tense. Or learn. <laughs> Note mark this as a high moment in our professional <laughs> lives. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting that you bring up the range of emotions. I have, so people who know me know that I cry all the time. Like if, if you don't know me, you're probably like, what? And like, if you do know me, you're like, yeah, she fucking cries, all, whatever. I've never fucking cried so much in my life. Like every fucking day, I cannot even make it through a day without something bringing me to almost just like, angry, like, it's like sobbing, crying. Um, and that, that's really, you know, I've, I've, I've talked a little bit about how I started to meditate and I've been taking these courses with Christy Peoples and I, uh, was gifted the app Headspace, um, by Allison. Let me again, just quickly plug, um, Allison's podcast, no time to waste. Um, I was, I was on her podcast, um, two weeks ago, the guest she had before me was Lance Armstrong. The guest she had three times before Lance Armstrong was Carolyn Gleick. Please everyone go check out no time to waste. It'll be a great, a great way for you to end 2020. So I've been spending a lot more time meditating and I feel like that ability to move through feelings and not get hung up on them is another big thing that I've I've learned because I think that I think that if I was really focused on how shitty I felt every day I would definitely be seriously depressed but it's this um it's this like daily practice of just of essentially saying out loud to myself because I live alone so I'm talking to myself all the fucking time like, well, yep, here, here we go again. You're pretty fucking sad. And this just happened. Oh my God. And like, like talking to myself and then just knowing that it's this feeling to move through and that tomorrow's a new, a new day. And that's like that idea of just being, or that feeling of like, I want this day to be over so that I can have a new one tomorrow. is <laughs> like, fucking, Jesus fucking Christ. 
Oh, so I just, one of the other things I've learned is that there are some, I have some like kindred Instagram account spirits out there that literally have helped me get through some of the like, am I the only one feeling this? Am I kind of alone? And as you were talking about that, I had to pull this up because it was, so from the female collective, which is one of my favorites, um, there's, there's a bazillion I could share, but this one I love, you can 100% be that bitch and still cry in the shower three days a week, <laughs> snack every hour, drink wine at lunch and stare into the distance. It's called surviving 2020. <laughs> and totally. so, um, I think about that. And again, there have been some Instagram accounts that have literally saved my fucking life. And I'm like, am I the only person that like, I literally, I just want to punch shit. I want to fucking break shit. I want to fight people. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I don't. That's not who I am. I'm like, and then I have to, again, putting all of that in perspective, especially with the year that we've had in terms of people being moved into situational poverty, um, the struggle and loss around, even if you were eligible for unemployment, what it takes to, you know, the, the hoops that it goes through to, to put those steps into process. I can picture, you know, trying to, to meet up with friends and they're like, they're, they couldn't cause they're on hold, you know, trying to manage bills. And so I think of these other layers that did not affect me as an educator. Cause we, you know, schools, the, the buildings may have closed, but we were still working, you know, at, as we regularly would, it was just now through the use of technology. And, you know, and I learned that in that, within that, I am a lot more adaptable and flexible and actually better with technology than I sometimes, especially on our shared um, podcast, can actually come across. The, the, the things I've learned in that list have been had me feel really powerful and, and actually becoming quite an engaging educator online and then sharing those tools and reaching out in the respect that there's a lot of people. And, and in my case, and educators being like, we still have a duty and a service to our families and our students to be really dynamic and really thoughtful and really strong educators for social justice, even if it's online. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've also learn in that is that I don't miss for a fucking second policing AirPods, iPhones, or bathroom passes or tardy passes <sighs> or dumping in a brick and mortar school. I'm like, God, I miss like hugging my, st- like I was an affectionate teacher. I miss, you know, their voices and their faces and, and the camaraderie and the debate and all the role plays and the things that I would create in the classroom and just that, that love I have for my students. But I'm like, if I don't have to sit through one more staff meeting where someone's like, did you collect tardy passes on Tuesday? Because there was somebody vaping in the boys bath. And I'm like, I'd fucking lose my mind. Me fucking now. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's like, uh, so I'm like, Oh, I learned that I actually am completely in a like trajectory to support and help build more thoughtful and engaging virtual education for young people. Cause I've also had young people be like, Miss Raymond, I know I miss my friends and it's weird. I kind of still want to play soccer, but I'm not getting bullied. I'm not afraid I'm going to die in a school shooting. I feel really supported by my family. And there's like all these things I've learned about Mm -hmm. how there was a lot within conventional education that wasn't really working for our kids and families. And so, yeah, the, the grass is kind of greener when everyone's like, get schools open. We want kids back in school. And it's like, we can't miss that opportunity to do it better. So learn some of those pieces, even just about myself as the kind of um, like professional I want to be moving forward. Yeah. So you can still be that bitch and cry three times a week. In the shower or three times a day. I'm, I love this system a, every hour. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent that bitch. I'm a hundred percent that bitch in every fucking way. Okay. Instagram influencers and just ra- or not even, I shouldn't even call it, thought leaders. Scratch that. Thought leaders that I found on Instagram that taught me something this massive this year 
Sonia, mm. Sonia Renee Taylor, um, who wrote the book, the body is not an apology. I was watching one of her, um, IG TV videos and she said, it's only white people who would debate the humanity of other people. And that, that fucking hit me so hard as one of the deepest truths in a way that I would have never been able to have articulated. And I've, I've said that I've, I've, I've repeated her words so many times and, and what I learned from it, I actually like took those words and I, I put them into action and, um, advised friends of like, there's not debates to be had anymore. Mm-hmm. Why? Like there, why would we spend our energy and, and our, our time debating racism with someone De- mm-hmm. debating whether or not COVID exists? Um, these things that, and, and people have all sorts of different reasons for why they engage in debates. Some people want to be right. Some people want to change the minds of others. Some people think that it's important to hear all sides. I say fuck that to all that fucking shit because, oh, yeah. like, just threw up. Yeah, off. because the thing is, is like, there's so. So many things happened in 2020 that are not debatable that I don't even engage in the debate anymore. And I just, I I delete people. Mm -hmm. I uh, don't respond. I'll make, Mm -hmm. I'll I'll, I'll simply say um, these things are not up for debate Mm -hmm. and like walk, walk away. Like I've done this in email. I've done it on Instagram. I've done it in real life. And that has been probably one of the greatest gifts and, and greatest lessons learned in 2020 is that there's just shit that you can't fucking debate and only fucking white people think that you would. And just walking away from having those conversations with anyone, anyone. You know, Jenna has me think the, the learn part of kind of our, like what we learned in 2020. And one of the, the thought leaders that, um, has been really influential, Rachel, Rachel Cargill and Mm -hmm. her work on the great unlearn. Um, I definitely encourage everyone and educators, especially to go over to Patreon and support her and subscribe to her Saturday school and on Instagram and so much of the work that's been helpful and this is more, again, in circles of kind of education, because sometimes it's hard to, to totally, as you're saying, to kind of walk away or, or, or shut down from a colleague that you might have to directly be um, working with. But what I found is really great language um, to, <laughs> in like the most professional way that you can, to basically tell someone that they're being fucking racist and they're fucking horrible and they're fucking wrong. Um, but obviously in a much more delicate way, to, and what I've learned is that you can have those hard conversations when you have like um, done the work yourself to then help transform. And I'm mostly talking about white colleagues and helping them understand that like their black friends are not there to educate them or make them feel better and to you know teach them about the experience. It's like the work needs to be done there. The problem isn't like actually racism. The problem is white supremacy and, and white people. And so what that work looks like as a, a, a white educator in that environment to be 
responsible to my colleagues where I'm like, yeah, well, this is actually, this isn't debatable. And the reason it isn't is to like, for us to move forward, we're just perpetuating it as educators in our classroom through our words and our actions and our inability to confront things in a real way. And I actually had a really strong breakthrough, one with a parent and and one with a teacher. And again, I can't, can't really walk away from them because they're in that circle, if that kind of makes sense, because mm-hmm. I totally support where you're where you're going and like in your sphere, but sometimes the people that we can't get away from them. And so it's like, what is it, what do we do to equip ourselves to um, work with our inner circle that we're <laughs> sometimes forced to work yeah. with? I'm like, I, I'd like to fire you if I could, but I can't. So like, um, what can I do to be that agent of change? And so that's something I've also learned is mm. it does take some courage. I mean, it's been, there was some stuff that was like kind of upsetting. Um, there were definitely, and I, you know what, I, I encourage it for all learns. It's like, you have to be in that place. That's that place of struggle. I mean, some of the pieces that were so even eye opening to me of like, Oh great. You're uncomfortable sitting with racism for the last 48 hours. Like try the last 48 years of your life, right? right. Like all perspective right. and just kind of learning to ground it in that as well. And so I don't know how kind of clear that little blurb, blurb was, but for me, it was sort of this, this influence of that, that, the idea of unlearning and how that unlearn mm-hmm. of all that we've been taught is kind of normalized. And going back to your point of, you know, people have all different reasons. They're defending their value system. It's what they've always known. And it's like, you could fill in the blank with all of those. And then they, some people write them just as that sense of excuse. And then that's where you kind of like, all right, I'm not going to give up on you because you're in my department and we work together. And I'm also not going to give up on you because you have impact right now over 80 young people who you could really like devastate and kind of fuck up. And it's like how we see, you know, colonization play out um, in the classroom all the time with the, even the forcing of kids to turn on their cameras without, you know, recognizing, you know, um, socio-emotional health and socioeconomic barriers that would inhibit a kid from, from safely doing that. And so just again, kind of equipping yourself with that knowledge to then do the work to, to, to make it so that those safe spaces are created again in, in that, in that realm for me in education so much. So, yeah. Yeah. There's, oh, God, this fucking year is a dumpster. Jesus Christ. All the things I'm just yeah. thinking about like, yeah, there's so like, there's so much that was exposed this year. And I think that what worries me is that we're just going to go, is that people just want to go back to the way that things were because they feel like it was so much more comfortable. And by they, I'm like sort of exclusively talking about white, white people, but, um, like, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to January. I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to December 22nd, 2019. Um, like I want to live, I want to live in a whole new world. And I feel like this is like the greatest opportunity in front of us to reconceptualize everything that we're doing. And it's, it's, a, I think it's like, it's just like, such just like massive undertaking to, to think about it and, and how do you have control over it? And, you know, obviously as a country, we've made some forward movement by electing a new president. So there's there, you know, that's progress there. Um, as an individual, I'm, I'm certainly really considering what I'm doing with my, my business. Um, and like how, you know, like does does my business play into a traditional like capitalist paradigm, or is it built on you know different different structures, like different va- values, um, and really thinking about how 
I can create this change within my own, like my own sphere of, of reality. Um, and it, and it can be like really overwhelming, but I don't know. I also think that like, if we get to a whole new place and this country is a better place, I think that like for me personally, this will have been worth it. Like, like change is messy. Um, yeah, a hundred percent. I totally. So, so yeah. I, I remember when, you know, all the riots were happening and I was talking to Latasha Dunstan, who, um, some of you might know is jitterbug art on Instagram. She's also a coalition snow ambassador. And we were talking about things and, and she, she said that she's like, change is, is, is messy. And I'm like, yeah, like this is incredibly painful. And also, yeah, like we're so, we've been so fucked for so fucking long that absolutely it's going to be incredibly painful to dig ourselves out of this, you know, and in 2020, like the way that it's the only reason why COVID is so bad is because our healthcare system is poor. It's because we don't pay people well enough. It's because we don't have um, unemployment that actually serves anyone. It's because we don't have a safety net. It's because like, let me just like list the reasons why why COVID is bad. Like COVID didn't need to be this bad. It could have been a lot better. Also, what in the fuck is this $600? These motherfuckers think is actually going to make a difference in someone's life. Like even for me. So like, I would say that like, I'm like lower middle class but I'm a person of one. So like, I don't have a lot of expenses, but my, my income would put me definitely on the very much like the lower end. $600. I'm like, I can't do, there's no runway with $600. I cannot pay my rent. Um, that's sure. That's like more than enough for groceries for a month. But like, I just feel like there's people also, I'm digressing for what we learned. I, I learned I'm still fucking angry about that. Yeah. I can fucking get riled up about things. Um, for people who like really need so many of their like basic, like basics covered from like food to rent, $600 is a slap in the face and it's a fucking disgrace. It's, it's more than a disgrace because think about it. This should have been, this $600 should have come on the heels of the initial $1,200. And then there, there should have been some sort of plan in place not to have people, again, moved into situational poverty over the last, like, you know, five to seven months where $600 doesn't do anything to dig you out of that, except maybe buy you like a small little reprieve where you're like, okay, we ate, we were able to find a shelter, we were able to find a shower, like, such because nothing California, especially our cost of living, yeah. fucking squat. You can't even stay in a, like a rat infested motel for a, for a week and get yourself, you know, get your get yourself back oriented, if you will, to like, all right, we need to fill in the blank, contact family, and that all that's so complicated yeah. by then and the inability to. Um, seek out um, resources and social services and be able to to travel and even just thinking about you know public transportation and the stuff that. Oh, so already is people that, um, you know, are, are lower income rely on that how those services are, are impacted greater. So whether it's, you know, on subway systems, um, bus and rail, that's where a majority of our of people who are relying on essential work 
positions, that's how they use their transportation. So this is something I learned Ooh. recently. And this I'll give a little shout out to one of my ski partners who also happens to be a history teacher. And we geek out a lot in the skin track. Um, and she brought up this point of looking at the largest um, relief bill that we had seen ever was, you know, FDR's New Deal. Mm-hmm. The reason that it actually, and I and I thought about this as you were saying, and I was like, I was, I was like, God, I've always known this, but it, it, it's not really clicking until now. So the the um, unemployment at that point for like a middle class white males was hitting twenty five percent. The only reason that that relief bill happened was because it was affecting middle class white males. Because if you look at people who are living in poverty and are generally unemployed, the government's doing fucking nothing mm-hmm. to help out of that. So it's like, again, I think what I learned too, is as it exposes more of these systemic inequities and these historic inequities, what I also learned needs to go along with that are those thought leaders like our, like Ibram Kendi and Austin Channing Brown and really um, prolific um, speakers and writers right now that are helping to then connect those dots for not necessarily, you know, totally overtly racist, um, you know, white Americans, but relatively ignorant slash like pull yourself up by the bootstraps. I did it and I worked hard and I don't, I don't want to necessarily say that they deserve all that handholding, but I know that I know that there are people that want to do better and believe that they can do better. They just, they don't know better. And I'm, and I, and so I think as that stuff, systemic inequities are exposed, what I've learned is then you also need the like the education and the understanding and the almost the help to then move forward. And if people get stuck along the way and want to argue, then I'm like fucking kick you off the boat, right? There's right. no life jacket. I'm sorry. Like I, I'm sorry, sorry, not sorry. Right. But I do, I do see that because just even for my own self and my own inner work and my own transformative work that I've engaged in that I, that I constantly engage in where I'm like, okay, wow, I can be actively anti-racist. And then I've also can see times where I've been completely, you know, just totally blinded by like the internalized sexism and supremacy that I, that I've been brought up in that you have to like, you have to peel those layers back and it's work. And so I think when people are willing to do the work, give them the information, give them the critical thought, and then they have to fucking move forward so we can all move forward. So to your point, like, yes, let us be in this messy, messy, fucked up shit so that then when we move forward, everything for everyone is better. Mm -hmm. And it's not this like, it's not this like, oh, rising tide lifts all boats. Everything is better. It's like, op no. A rising tide does not lift all boats because not everybody was above fucking water to start with. You know, like it's like seriously, like we're all better when, when, when people who don't, who don't do all the things that society says you should be to be successful, whether that's like your gender, the color of your skin, your religion, the things that come out of your mouth, the way that you choose to live your life, like when everyone's better. It's just, yeah. So I almost feel like part of what we've learned is one, even you and I who are pretty learned, which I think is a thing. That's correct. I'm going to give you that. We are still constantly fucking learning. Yeah. Um, You know, it's funny. I was looking back. Something I learned is that I um, have a book 
consumption problem. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. I just wish I had more time to be reading. But so so here we are, you and I, where we, we engage in this, we talk about it. Like I talk about it with my partner. We surround ourselves with people that we can be critical with, not just only like-minded, but whether it's in the art community and we're out in like snow sports, recreation, educators, entrepreneurs, people that will challenge our thinking and push us. We still have so much to learn and so much to do. And I think that's a piece for me is like, as if we're doing that, what does it look like for the person under the rock and the person with their head up their ass? So it's kind of like, I'm learning, like we still have, there's so much work to do. Mm-hmm. And that also is a really positive thing in 2020. What about like a resurgence of a critical thought and a sense of intellectualism? And I feel like I've, I think about this a lot and touch on it where I'm like, can we bring it back that it's really fucking cool to be smart and be critical and show up exactly as you are? Well, and stop shitting all over ourselves. Maybe if, maybe, maybe we'll, we'll see how people um, treat our new um, first lady and her use mm-hmm. of the word doctor, which we will mm-hmm. save that for another episode because I know oh, how God. much you want, I know how much you want to talk about that. But yeah, we, we will see just how much we embrace um, intellectualism and not intellectualism necessarily in academia, but just yes. making fucking good decisions <laughs> and like mm-hmm. accepting, um, embracing, acknowledging basic truths. But I don't know. I mean, this has been... This has been such a fucking year and I, you know, I have, I have my little, um, vintage calendar on my desk set for January 1, 2020. It's been set on that date for months now, just like waiting for this year to be over. And I guess what, what I'll end with is if there, if there's anything that we should have all learned from 2020, it's that we can't control anything and we can't predict anything. So who knows what 2021 is going to be like, like, and, and we certainly shouldn't think that that clock is going to strike 12 and that all this shit that we've been dealing with and that we've been feeling is going to somehow miraculously go away. The only way that we're going to feel better is by doing the work, educating ourselves voting Georgia fucking make it happen in January, please. I feel like there's going to be just this surge of like momentum in, in a way, everything from people holding Biden and, and Kamala to their words, to us being able to move away from like the toxicity of lies for us to move towards like, we have work to do, but the science is there. And now what does that fucking mean to like this re emergence and rebirth of like an intellectualism to people again, not giving fucks about the idiots that are pulling us down and holding us down and that lie and cheat and steal and hold power. And are just, it's, it's embarrassing and it's old. And to me, it's just this really like psychedelic, bright, colorful, like portal. And I'm like going in fucking head first. Yeah. It should be, I mean, it should be kind of a good year. I mean, I'm like very nervous to say that out loud. Like, Will it be okay? Edit that out, Jen. No, we'll leave it. It's going to be a good year. It's going to be a good year. We have a lot in front of us. And I think that, I think that perhaps our, our tone isn't going to be changing 
until 2022, which will essentially be like the next Roaring Twenties where we're all going to have really cute outfits and go to the bar all the time. So I'm just putting that out there. I love that. (laughs) Um, I love that thought. I don't know if I have it. And And I actually had one thought where I was like, I'd love to hear from our listeners of like what they learned and how they survived. Because I think, again, part of that is like that, that collective anxiety and the collective stress we've all been kind of going through. And again, sometimes it's even been this interesting relationship with love, hate with social media of just this sense of like not kind of feeling alone. And I, again, I'll, I'll give it to this female collective. I I literally will like sometimes just look to them. So here's my, like, (laughs) we're not going to get, like you said, it's not going to strike midnight and we're going to be in the spot. I love that vision of the cute outfits (laughs) and the bars, but I'm also going to leave with these, this three, the hydrate, meditate, masturbate. I mean, I love it. That's how we're going to maybe get through That's our 100% transition. What's going to happen? That <laughs> is it, friends. We will we will see you in the new year. Happy New Year! <laughs> Happy new year. <laughs> <laughs> 